everyone, and welcome back to the Sock Dem Asia podcast. My name is Cassie. I am your host. And I'm Carlo, the co-host. And for today, Cassie, we're going to have a very important topic right now because of um, very important elections is happening uh, in the Philippines that's going to be, well, we're recording it a day before the election. It's an end. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to discuss very important why this election well, all elections matter, but why this specific election right now is going to matter for um, for the Philippines, for the country, and for Philippine democracy in general. Very right, Carlos. So we are recording this episode now on the eve of our elections. We will be going out to the polls to vote tomorrow. And it's going to be a lot of fun listening to this podcast after... May 9. So our guest is very, very special, close to my heart, close to Carla's heart. We have the current president of Akbayan Party List. Her name is Paeng David. Rafaela David, known lovingly by us as Paeng, and maybe after this podcast, you can start calling her Paeng as well. I met her in college, and she is one of the people who helped bring me into the movement. And I think, Carla, she is your contemporary, actually. So we've done a lot of talking her up. And yeah, so this is just pretty much like we love you so much, Paeng. Thanks for joining us. I would like to welcome you to the program. Thanks so much for taking some time to spend with us to record this episode on this very sleepless night for all of us. Thank you, Cassie. And thank you, Carlo. I love you too. I'm so happy to be here Mm -hmm. on your podcast. Um, And yeah, it's an exciting night because it's the night before elections. And maybe when our listeners listen to this, they would have already known the results and hopefully what our projections and uh, uh, discussions tonight would still be uh, uh, in a way accurate to what Mm -hmm. they will uh, witness in the next coming day. So yeah, Mm -hmm. um, hoping for the best uh, in the elections tomorrow. Okay, so Paeng, can we just start first off the first question? Um, This is going to be a very fraught, well, it is already a fraught elections and a very polarized one but a lot of things that people or a lot of analysts are not seeing are the very important issues heading into the elections can you explain what are those issues that voters will take stock of when they go into the polling places and why those issues are important for you and for the party for akbayan for us actually the elections will be a definitive one in terms of the path we would like to take especially as far as uh democratization is concerned We've had six years under the Duterte administration. And in a way, this election will spell whether Filipinos would take a chance on a more democratic governance again, if we are going to pivot back to our path of democracy, or if they are still uh, frustrated with how democracy has been for the past years and choose a strong man as their leader. Uh, Another crucial issue that... uh, will be at stake is, of course, how we look at um, EDSA and the People Power Revolution vis-a-vis the Marcos dictatorship. Uh, That, of course, was a crucial moment in our country's history um, where we showed the world that the power should reside with the people and that the Marcoses have done a grave abuse of power and... uh, and, um, corrupted our democratic institutions, and that the people has had enough. These uh, elections, if we have uh, Marcos taking up the presidency, will effectively uh, erase that history and revise it and um, also reform the Marcos brand 
as a brand that Filipinos are accepted accepted has accepted again and um you know um they've actually been doing that revisionism for years and in a way this is like a final nail to the coffin of our uh of the history that of course we in the progressive movement even as it is a debated history uh it's a moment in history that we are proud of that we are able to depose of a dictator peacefully um so that i think is uh at stake, um, our faith in demo, demo, the, democrat, the democracy project. And at the same time, um, this will also be a crucial elections for other issues such as uh, we're still in a pandemic and we need a government that can uh, guide us through the recovery phase after the pandemic. And we're not even out of it yet. So whoever comes in um, will be crucial in making sure that uh, we will not enter into an economic crisis and that Filipinos will be taken care of in the midst of the crisis that we're still in right now. Uh, just for a little bit of further contextualization for the benefit of our listeners, um, the Philippines, uh, by our constitution, we have a presidential election every six years and our president can only serve one term. Mm-hmm. And so... It's been a very interesting field because our current president, President Duterte, he cannot run again. And he's been very quiet recently with regard to the upcoming elections, despite having a daughter running as the vice president of Bongbong Marcos. Mm-hmm. So there is implicit, there is implicit approval, so to speak, of Marcos in a way that there have been a lot of happenings with regard to the elections in that uh, Bongbong Marcos had disqualification cases lodged against him at the Commission of Ele- on Elections, which were all dismissed. And just there seems to be a lot of things that the campaign, their campaign, has been able to get away with that the other candidates are having a lot of difficulty navigating. Mm-hmm. So that's just to give the listeners an idea of like the very uneven playing field that not only the opposition are facing, but just really, if you talk about any other candidate that's running for president, but also especially targeting opposition candidates here in the Philippines. Um, what you pointed out, Cassie, I think is a, an important note. No? Even our elites, the mm-hmm. Duterte's and the Marcoses, of course, have their own interest. And in a way, they align. Uh, but uh, you also see that uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a house of cards, no, and they're mm. playing uh, based on their interests. And um, even the Duterte's, uh, uh, he hasn't publicly uh, supported or endorsed Marcos, even if the daughter is running, no, under mm-hmm. him. And um, so that's actually an interesting uh, uh, dynamic that we might see unfold. Um, just one thing that we can look at, of course, is that um, Marcos is uh, um, uh, supposedly disqualified uh, under mm-hmm. our laws from running. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not uh, qualified because he's uh, convicted of a tax crime, which mm-hmm. under our law should uh, disall- disqualify him from running. Um, and we're seeing that this might be a card that Duterte is playing on him to make sure that uh, as he goes out, 
of power. And we know that because he has six years and at the end of his term, he's usually a lame duck president. Mm-hmm. Um, and the power really, really resides on the incoming president. You see that this card can still be played uh, to get as much uh, towards the end of his term. So we mm-hmm. see here uh, different uh, elites actually uh, negotiating power uh, mm-hmm. amidst the elections as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually really scary because a lot of international reportage has been focusing on that he's a son of a dictator, he has a tax case, just a lot of references to things that he has done in the past that are still very much relevant. So I actually want to get into now, if you could share a little bit about the things that you have observed throughout the campaign season, being there on the ground, Mm-hmm. campaigning. So can you tell us a little bit about like what it what the terrain looks like? So when you campaign to people, do you encounter a lot of people who are already decided for Bongbong Marcos and Sari Duterte? Or is the field more undecided than it is made out to be in the media or on social media? As the election campaign nears, you actually see more and pe- more and more people uh you know having uh uh solidified uh, their preferences so in a way you actually feel like uh, you actually see um polarization on the ground and that's what we're trying to also navigate because you have very strong sentiments for the mm-hmm. um marcos candidate but you also have a strong sentiment for the uh opposition candidate the leading opposition candidate is of course uh, Vice President Lenny Robredo, and you can see an energized movement under her, uh, you know, uh, really um, uh, m- moving the, trying to uh, uh, ensure that we convert as many people. But when you see on the ground, you actually see that um, still you have a very polarized uh, Filipino electorate, and um, that in a way makes it hard for you to convert. Uh, voters from the Marcos camp to the uh, other opposition candidates. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned no, um, as of Akbayan campaign because it is part of the coalition uh, trying to elect uh, Vice President Lenny Robredo to the presidency. Uh, we saw in the past uh, two months uh, the field presidents, presidential candidates of around 10 has in a way narrowed down to at least two candidates that we're seeing uh, almost like a head-to-head uh, election match uh, mm-hmm. the, tomorrow, right? So can you talk more about your experiences in the uh, uh, the campaign, specifically for Lenny Robredo's campaign? How has her volunteer army changed the way elections are being conducted in the country? Since I'd like to point out that... Um, uh, Lenny's campaign is not as well financed or well funded or as well supported by polit- politicians as Marcos's. But seemingly, uh, the volunteer driven campaign has been able to match at least or go toe to toe with the Marcos campaign. Can you describe how, how it's going and how it has changed or possibly going to change Philippine elections? Uh, you actually see with uh, Lenny's campaign uh, an unprecedented uh, volunteer-driven campaign uh, that really activated young people, uh, 
women, uh, different sectoral groups to come out and uh, contribute to the campaign. As you said, Carlo, uh, Lenny Rubredo is not uh, um, uh, part of a, an old traditional political family. And with they don't have a deep uh, uh, coffers of uh, money to use for the campaign. And you see here... Uh, Campaigners actually volunteering their time, contributing resources, and um, the national campaign, uh, by and large, um, as we've observed, they go to an area and everything more or less has been prepared by the local volunteers. So you see here how uh, even as the Lenny Robredo campaign has been struggling in getting their survey numbers up, um, you see an activated base. So the base of support that Lenny has been able to cultivate has uh, been easily mobilized and um, activated towards uh, um, a really energized campaign, which is hopeful, joyful, and um, you can see very creative as well uh, with young people at the forefront. And that's uh, really quite inspiring. And it has, has inspired many of us in the progressive movement uh, to hope that uh, we have a fighting chance against the Marcos machinery uh, in this campaign. Um, do you do you have any idea on how that kind of campaign is going to change campaigns in the future, or do you think it's only specific to her um, her campaign now and might not be replicated in the future? I think uh, this particular uh, volunteer-driven campaign is a product of its time, um, and at the same time, the product of the different uh, factors coming together. Lenny Robredo is a, a a candidate that easily inspires uh, volunteerism among uh, people who are yearning for uh, uh, transformation of our democracy. And I think that's an integral uh, uh, factor in the in this uh, people's or rather in this voluntary driven campaign. The other one is, of course, I think that uh, frustration that the past six years has uh, has uh, collectively, um, uh, in, you know, it, not inspired, but uh, collectively um, uh, imposed upon us Filipinos because the past six years has been characterized by, um, you know, the disrespect of rule of law, uh, viol uh, human rights violations, extrajudicial killings, uh, bad governance amidst the pandemic, uh, corruption, uh, Unhampered, and it's just so obvious. That you see it. Uh, uh, you know, you see our government officials taking, uh, you know, abusing their positions of power. Um, and I think this collective frustration among uh, a segment of Filipinos have really pushed them to action. Uh, and uh, the campaign has provided a platform and a space for them to uh, be activated. And I think uh, another element, of course, is that we're in the middle of a crisis, the pandemic crisis and the, the economic crisis that has ensued because of it as well, which, of course, really is, um, uh, you know, we, we, we have here a, a, um, a pressure cooker, cooking cooker of some sort. And um, it's so easy for us to see how people would be, again, moved to action because of that a particular juncture in your uh, history that uh, people just know that what's happening is not uh, acceptable. And I think that's really moving people to um, 
participate where they can and uh, be more active citizens. Um, but again, I want to emphasize that it's really crucial that we have a candidate that many among these group or segment of society could put their faith on and could uh, be inspired by um, because it's also easy to be demobilized in the midst of this frustration and this crisis. So there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of candidates that we can get behind and be inspired to hope with and for, it's not just the presidential elections that are going on. We're also having elections at the Senate level, the House of Reps, even the local elections and the party list. And so we have our own bets. Bayan Party List has its own bets in Senatoriable Risa Hontiveros, who is seeking re-election, and Akbayan Party List, which is seeking a return to the House of Representatives after not making the cut in the previous elections, I believe in 2018. Um, I would like to ask now a little bit more specifically about the campaign efforts of Akbayan. So um, I'm going to go ahead and supply that our senatoriable Risa Hontiveros is she's right there she's right at the threshold personally i believe the most viable opposition senatoriable and i would want to ask you now about what the campaign was like on the senatorial level on the party list level okay um uh thank you cassie uh um of course in akbayan we're having a uh, uh, you know, an exciting time because we're campaigning both at the senatorial level and also at the uh, House of Representatives contesting the party list system. And it's not been an easy uh, campaign for us. Uh, Akbayan is, of course, an, a party of ordinary citizens. It was formed by farmers, women, youth, LGBT, workers, of course, and other basic sectors. So it's a party of ordinary citizens. And we're very lucky to be uh, one of the few who's able to uh, elect and uh, com campaign, successfully campaign for a senator who is not coming from a traditional political mm -hmm. family as well. You have Visa Onteveros, who is the first socialist feminist in Senate in the Senate. Um, and of course, we're proud of the things that she's been able to do as a senator. She's able to pass um, landmark legislation for women, mm. for youth, and for health and welfare. Um, and her campaign has been, uh, even as she has done so, uh, so many uh, historical uh, uh, victories in the Senate, she still remains to be uh, or her Senate campaign still remains as an uphill battle mm -hmm. because you have many moneyed senators uh, or rather candidates uh, for the senatorial race who are getting high in their uh, in the ranking uh, in the mm -hmm. surveys just because of their name, their popularity, and yeah. of course their money and their uh, surnames, no? Um, and that's why among the opposition candidates, um, and I, I'd like to say that we have uh, the opposition slate uh, headed by, of course, Lenny Robredo, um, is a slate that, you know, I, I could also get behind. It's a, it's a group of candidates who are, um, who have, uh, ha who have been known for fighting for uh, human rights and who have been, uh, known to have uh, integrity in the work that they do. And yet, 
none of them are getting in the surveys. Only Risa Ontiveros mm. is getting in. Yeah. Um, so you really see here how um, money politics is still um, uh, is still king as far as uh, a Philippine election is concerned. Uh, Risa, nonetheless, is uh, again, because she has a fighting chance, we're really making sure that we uh, push harder uh, in the last few days of the campaign to secure her spot. She's at 11, uh, and you have uh, uh, 12 seats being contested. Um, so 11, the 11th spot is a tricky spot to be yeah, because it's so yeah. easy for those under her to just uh, deny her votes or to buy votes um, to get her out. And there has been uh, a lot of um, attacks against our candidate uh, saying that she's... Uh, uh, that she's or, or throwing fake news against her and sexist mm-hmm. remarks. And of course, um, as a progressive candidate, uh, red tagging her as well. So it's really an uphill battle. Nonetheless, there's so much hope. And we know that the um, pro-democracy forces in the Philippines will carry her back to the Senate. Um, mm-hmm. So cross our fingers and hoping that she gets in the Magic 12. Um, as far as Akbayan is concerned, uh, so we're running in the party list. Um, we've also had a uh, uh, good showing in the surveys among the real party lists. Yeah, I'm, uh, of course, our viewers might be confused. The party list system in the Philippines is chaotic, so it's so oh, hard yes. to see it. <laughs> but um, uh, that being said, um, there's uh, a lot of fake party lists right now. But mm-hmm. uh, we in Akbayan were uh, quite confident that we have good chances of winning. Uh, hopefully that uh tomorrow uh, proves us right <laughs> um whatever happens though even if uh win or lose uh we know that our party will uh persist in fighting for democracy as part of the opposition hopefully uh, as inside congress um and uh we're also of course uh hoping that the people's campaign would uh back up uh one of the progressive party lists that is uh, in Lenny Robredo's campaign. Mm-hmm. I also failed to ask earlier, um, beyond having bets at the senatorial level, at the party list level, Akbayan also has some local officials that are affiliated with the party and that run under the party with its values. Are there any standouts or are there any stories that can be shared about Akbayan, um, Akbayan candidates at the local levels? Mm-hmm. We're, we're quite proud because we actually have uh, young leaders who are running at the local level. Um, and um, that's also part of our political project to make sure that we engage local elections and really build uh, local patches of green where you have progressive candidates mm-hmm. contesting at the local level, creating a model of a local municipality or city where you have um, social protection and uh, welfare uh, institutionalized at the local level. And um, so we're fielding some counselors um, and some really young ones. Uh, one, for instance, in this uh, town at the northeast of uh, uh, Metro Manila, he's running as an independent in a sea of political dynasties. And we're hoping that he will win. His surveys mm-hmm. actually show that he's in the top three, which is a good spot mm-hmm. to be. And uh, stories like him hopefully will inspire more young people to run at the local level. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. I remember we had an interview before. Um, I apologize in advance if I misattribute this because this was from a previous guest. I think it was Ruben Carranza who spoke about these islands of good governance. So, yes, that's very much part of the Akbayan project. And I think now that, you know, it's it's 10 p.m. It's 10 p.m. on May 8th. So very, very, very soon we'll be venturing out the vote. So I think you know, I think we just want to ask you now about um, any last message or any insight that you would want to share about what you've experienced really being there on the ground, uh, campaigning for the opposition to not only fight against things that are bad that we don't want in the government, but also to fight for good things that we want to happen for our community. Mm-hmm. On the ground, Cassie, no? Mm-hmm. Or not um, necessarily. It can be in general. Oh, <laughs> na sorry. The question is, what are the things na? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, like in, parang yung mga last realizations and um. Pwede nyo ulit na lang yung question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ulit, tapos, yeah, yeah. sure. Or, pero ano, explain ko na lang. Parang you know, now that the election is over, ano yung gusto mong sabihin sa listeners namin na like, what are the things that you saw that gave you hope? What are things that we can still work on? Sige. Or like, pwede ko ulitin ka na lang ba? <laughs> yeah, pakiulit na lang. Okay. Sige. Okay na ba, Like, I can give you like, I don't know, mag two minutes ka parang declamation contest. Okay. It's fine. Sunod-sunod yung sagot mo kanina. Straight. Ang galing eh. Yeah. Things that give you hope. Yeah, pwede rin. Like, things that give more, you hope. More, na parang, ano, like, reflection, reflections yeah. at the end of the campaign, at the end of the campaign season. Lava! Proseso ko pa eh. Wait lang. Sige. No, okay lang din na pinaproseso mo pa. That's fine. Like, pwedeng, it can be very surface for now. So, I'll just, ano, repeat the question na lang and then we can get into it. Okay. Repeat mo ba or go na ako? Sige, ulitin ka na lang. Sige. Yeah, I very, very much agree with that. So I also remember a previous guest coming on to the Sockdom Asia podcast. I, I apologize in advance if I misattribute it, but I believe it was ano, attorney Ruben Carranza who talked about these islands of good governance. So in a sea, like even just here in Metro Manila, in a sea of political dynasties, we have, you know, islands of good governance. Like we have our comrade in the Dinagat Islands, Kakabagao. We have a friend of Akbayan in Mayor Vico Soto in Pasig was also running for re-election. And these are islands that we want to continue expanding and building. And I think that brings us into maybe the next and maybe the last question of this very brief special episode about some reflections and realizations that you might want to share with our audience. Having experienced the full breadth of campaigning during election season for the opposition. So things that you can reflect upon looking back and maybe even looking forward. The campaign season has uh, just ended yesterday and elections mm. is coming in tomorrow. Uh, it's, uh, there's still a lot of reflection that I, mm. I need to do, but just some uh, items on the top of my head. Uh, um, I'm going to I'm going to toot your ho- your horn for you and like the desired outcome that we have is that we want Risa to win, we want our party list to win, and if that happens, that's going to be such an amazing victory for you as president of the party, like the youngest ever. So 
I think, you know, that's something that gives me hope. It's something that I have to look forward to. So yeah. that's just my input. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that really give me hope related to that is that um, any progressive campaign for it to be successful, um, it has to be something that's done collectively. And I think that's really what inspired me most in this campaign. Um, I see um, party mates giving so much every day. And it's just, uh, you know that they're tired and they're, uh, they're you know, there's not a lot of this uh, in terms of personal gain. And you're just inspired by the kind of passion and love and joy that you see every day on a personal level and also at an organizational level as far as uh, Akbayan and the party is concerned. Um, we know we've had a defeat in 2019 mm-hmm. and this uh, election is pivotal as far as party survival is concerned because if we lose again this time, uh, we have a uh, were threatened with being delisted. And the thing is, uh, you see uh, party mates really giving it their all. And even party mates who have uh, been inactive for quite some time coming back and uh, giving so much love to the campaign. And I think that's uh, so inspiring. And not just at the party level, you see it also at the movement level. Um, you see strangers uh, going house to house and talking to people they don't know who may sometimes even shout back at them because they support another candidate mm-hmm. and still extend the hand. Um, and uh, the running joke, of course, is everyone's just, uh, 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 you know, uh, everyone's just sunburnt because of this campaign. And I think um, that's the, that's the, physical manifestation of people just reaching out and um, um, going to the streets, but not go to the streets so that they can uh, fight their fellow Filipinos, but instead, um, you know, extend a hand. And in a way, mag-akbayan. Uh, akbayan of course, is a Filipino term to say that you are shoulder to shoulder with your fellow Filipino or your brother or your sister or your, uh, um, uh, you know, whomever uh, would need solidarity. And um, that for me is so true in this campaign. Um, the, the call of the Lenny campaign is radical love. And I think that in itself uh, colors the campaign that it's not about finding your differences and uh, fighting your fellow Filipinos, but finding common ground mm. so that uh, what is dividing us hopefully will uh, slowly um, uh, will slowly uh, will slowly be replaced by what can bind us as a nation. Um, whoever our candidates can be. Because these elections, which will happen tomorrow, um, it might not, uh, you know, the election results might not be the kind of results that we hope in the progressive movement. But what we should get out of it, I think, is that 
um, the struggle to find each other again, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, from one side to the other side, um, I think the message is clear that the work to uh, find our way back amidst the divisions that's been sowed by the previous administration, it, that, that, that task remains. And for people to accept that as a struggle that we have to do, not just for these elections, but beyond the elections, I think that's that's a reason to hope. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. So that actually reminds me a lot of something that a dad of my friend said in relation to this campaign, which is that, Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something is worth doing no matter how it turns out. So I think that's so true about this election and this campaign that has just recently concluded that there are some things that are just good to do because it's the right thing to do. There are some things that are worth fighting for. Yeah, absolutely. No matter how it turns out. But of course we want to (laughs) win. Yeah, but I, I, if I can, if I can add right, that we may not know what, as Paeng said, we might not know what's mm-hmm. the possible outcome of the elections. But I think we've, the members, our comrades in Akbayan, have done a good work for themselves. They've made mm-hmm. well from my my from my point of view, they've done the campaign that they've wanted to do. Mm. And, you know, it hit all the points. There's nothing really to add. It you have to leave it out to the voters themselves to make that choice. Uh, come election time and hopefully that will be as Rafaela said earlier f- towards building and rebuilding democracy strengthening democratic institution and promoting human rights hopefully they would choose you know we don't always say that voters always make the right choice almost all the time but in the scheme of things right there's this saying that the arc of the moral universe may be oh, long yeah. but it bends towards justice mm-hmm and like there's also i think a corollary to that which is like if only if it, if we help it to bend so you know we have a lot of people who have gone house to house who have put up collaterals who have posted online so a lot of people have been working overtime to make it bend back as paeng said they're sunburned they're tired but they're showing up and they're working so I think that's the conclusion of our of our very uh, special topic episode for the Philippine elections. So I just want to thank Paeng for giving us time on this momentous night. So we love you. We're proud of you. Yep. We're very Pleasure. excited for tomorrow. We love you. We see you. We yeah. value you. We like to thank you very much for holding the fort here yes. in the Philippines. But let me just say that a lot of Asian parties, progressive parties, are facing the same you know, facing the same threat. And um, for progressives like us who know defeat <laughs> a little mm-hmm. one too many times, I think it should be said that we don't, uh, we never chose, we never chose to, you know, we never chose this struggle because it's easy, but rather we chose it because it was necessary to begin with, right? Cassie? Yeah, thanks so much, Paeng. So that about wraps up our episode. So this has been... It feels so weird to be recording this now, but you know, I think that it's only appropriate that we do this. Like, regardless of what happens, this will be a good memory for us. This will be a good memory for our comrades who are listening wherever they are. Victory or defeat, we have each other. Let's just hope it's victory, but either way, we have each other. Whether whether we win or we win, we still have each (laughs) other. So, yeah. 
So end it. All right. So this has been the Soklim Asia podcast. I thank everyone for listening to this episode. We will not be taking negative comments about this episode. Good comments only. We'll share them with Paeng. Everybody be nice and be very supportive. So that is the hard and fast rule for this episode. It's been so nice to spend this time with you. I am your host and my name is Cassie. I'm your co-host, Carlo. And don't and, forget to subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify. Our podcast is Soktem Asia mm-hmm. Podcast. Yeah. So until our next episode, we will see you all on the other side. 